Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So I don't know about how your week has been, but for me it's been um, a little bit more emotional than, than I'm used to. Um, my, on Monday, about 2.30 in the morning, my, my grandma, Ruth, uh, passed away. And uh, some of you may have saw on Facebook, I had these pictures of these just glittery red shoes. that, And you can see her face. I mean, it, it, she is like so excited. I mean, I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, these are just shoes. But she was, I mean, it was just, she was so excited. And uh, that picture uh, of her face just made me think of, man, that's nothing compared to what it was like seeing Jesus face to face. And um, I, I'm saying unfortunately because I, I wanted to be able to go to the funeral this week and just be able to sit and receive, but you know, my parents and aunt and uncles, they want my, a cousin and myself to speak as well, so we'll, we'll be doing that. But um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, we're, we're rejoicing. This, this woman, and this is unbelievable, she taught Sunday school for 50 years without ever just saying, I need a break. Isn't that remarkable? And she gave away peanut M&Ms when you knew the memory verse. I missed out on a lot of peanut M&Ms. <laughs> I, would, I would just try and sit at the end of the desk so that I would try and hear everybody else saying it and then know it by the, okay. Wasn't always the best at that. But also... Jaina referred to the fact that I brought my daughter to school, or we did, um, but right now this is all about me. Um, my precious, precious daughter, as you know, we went and, and brought her in, and some of you have gone through this, haven't you? You've gone through this, and um, some of you, you're going to go through this, and then you're going to come to me. <laughs> and uh, some of you, I may come to you, I don't know. Uh, I was doing so well. I was doing so well, and then we went to the state fair, and we gorged ourselves, so then I was feeling better, you know? I self-medicated with all the gluten-free fun stuff I could find, and, uh, and then last night happened. I went to uh, Dunkirk um, in Maple Grove, the Starbucks in Dunkirk, and uh, it's a little slower than the downtown one, and I sat there, and it was quiet, and I had my blonde Americano, and I, I laid out all the stuff for the sermon today. I just wanted to review and just have some time to just reflect. And I started to cry. Now I'm sitting in Starbucks, and I text Jaina, and I said, it's hitting me right now. This is the wrong time. This is going to be the most emotional sermon you've ever heard in your lives. No, I'm just kidding. It probably won't be. But, you know, it, it, it's, I'm just kind of bringing you into my world a little bit. I, I don't know if that's appropriate. I normally don't do that. But, you know, it's, it's good to know that we're all going through things, right? And, and every, every week, and I think about that a lot. And, and um, I had a, a guy that I, I worked with and in a church setting. He was a volunteer, and it, it, was, it was the most incredible thing. He could cry about greeting. And, and I, I remember, and I, I sat, and, and, and I said, um, Jim, can you explain to me why I've never seen you not at the door uh, of this church? And, and he said, you know, you never know what somebody's going through when they come through those doors for the first time, or maybe you never know, it could be their very last time. And he, and he began to cry, 
And he said, and I get to look at them in the face. I get to smile and welcome them in the name of the Lord. And, you know, that's somebody that has a servant's heart, and that's somebody that understands that we, as, as people, are facing things every day. And, and so sometimes it kind of feels like you're putting on a mask because you're coming in, and you're smiling, and you're saying hello, but really, you're dealing with some really heavy things. And as a church, we need to understand that. We need to remember that. And um, last week, I titled the, the sermon Resistance, and we talked about spiritual warfare. I didn't call it spiritual warfare because I think there's a lot of baggage that goes along with that. And I gave examples of, of you know, demon-possessed people, and so people think when there's spiritual warfare, a lot of times their minds go to that. But I presented what is more like the reality of Jesus in the garden, and he, the, the spiritual warfare he was facing was just incredible. And, and we talked about Peter... And Peter even had a heads up. Jesus said, hey, Satan has requested to sift you. And think of that. He knew the spiritual warfare was coming, and yet he failed in that. And he denied Christ three times. And, and so I think so many times we're ignorant to the, the things of, of this world and and we, we see the material, but we forget that there is something waging war against us and um, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians six twelve says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. He also tells us not to be outwit of the schemes of the evil one. Uh, Paul says that, um, that we should wear a spiritual armor, that we should protect our, our hearts, our minds, where our feet lead us. All, the, all these things, and we read that at the end of, of last week as, as a church. We just stood up and, and read the scripture. We are presented by the scripture with a world that we cannot see. We are, but we're assured that it is real. And it is imperative for us to be aware, but more than just aware, to actually be prepared. So I, I did my best to, to create a world where we are using, or, or maybe I should say it this way, we, we live day to day and we do what we know to do, but many times we are using the wrong tools that we are supposed to be coming with spiritual tools and instead we're taking the wrong weapon. And I used different comparisons last week with this. This week I'll, I'll use another one. It's like bringing um, a squirt gun to a paintball fight. Okay, I hope I have the paintball gun, right? So we're using the wrong tools. And so spiritual warfare does not work with material tools. It works with spiritual weapons. And I believe in many ways that we have been outwit by the evil one, by Satan, and, and this is how, is that I, I read for you the scripture of, of submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. But I think that in many cases we've actually reversed it and we've swapped it and I believe that we are submitting ourselves to the world and its ways and then we are resisting God and his ways. Now, I don't, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily intentional by us I believe that we are seeing things, physical things in this world, and we, we want them, we're drawn to them. 
Um, I, I think that we rarely question what we watch. I don't know if we question what we're consuming, what we're listening to. And as Christians, I believe that we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. We need to be saying, Lord, what am I consuming right now? Is this pleasing you? In the last few months, I felt such a weight um, to, to speak to the potential world or the potential life for us that Christ is constantly nudging us towards and he's, he's calling us to. And, and so I'm, I'm really going to try and try and create this image of what God is, is really intending for our lives. And, it, and it's a world that was only made possible through the sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. The, this world wasn't available before the cross. And Christ and the scripture and his Holy Spirit, I believe, is calling us as one. I, I believe, and, I, and I'm praying for, and this is how I've been praying over this message, is that as, as I speak about it, that your heart is, is, is being drawn. It, your heart is going, yes, you know, it's, it's leaping inside. It reminds me of a, a sermon once I, I heard, and my, my heart, and, and you know, I, was, I had to behave Minnesotan, um, but my, my heart was speaking something else, and, and I just remember I, I, was, I was saved, but the, the word so gripped my heart that I wanted to stand up and, and do it all over again. Has anyone, has that ever happened to somebody who's, who's a Christian and you just, your, your heart was just so moved that you're like, I, Lord, I, save me, Lord Jesus. Lord, I, I want to give my life to you because our hearts were being pulled, our, our hearts were, were being drawn. Now, in every time, in, in every place uh, that people have, have been around, there have been fights against the life that God has designed for humanity. There is no generation that has missed some kind of spiritual warfare or attack where Satan tries to divide us or get in between our relationship with Christ. There are always trials. There are always tribulations. Nobody will ever miss out on those, unfortunately. But what we do need to do is we need to evaluate, um, see where we need to make course corrections in our life um, so we can be followers of Jesus and do what Christians have done before, is that sometimes the Lord brings a revival. And I don't know about you, but I, I believe that our nation is, is in need, is in is in a deep, deep need of, of a bringing back to the cross. And I'm, you should pray for that. There, there is an entire generation that has never seen a, a move of the Holy Spirit, the move of God drawing people to himself. And I, I believe that we are primed and ready to go. I really do. And if that is the case, people who have been serving Christ, people who know the scriptures, people who are disciplers need to be ready. Need to be ready. And I felt such a heaviness 
to start slowing down, and Jana could tell you this, because we've, we've actually had some arguments about this in the last number of months. Um, how, how, do we, how do we slow down? How, how do we reevaluate what we're doing with our time, um, what we're doing with our relationships, who we're spending time with? Some of you have heard me say this before, is on your deathbed, you're never going to lay there and wish you refreshed your Facebook feed one more time. Right? Your Instagram, your, your, the Twitter news, the, you, you wish you would listen to another hour of whatever news station you, you listen to. Nobody ever says, oh, I wish I would have done it. But yet, when we look at so much of our time and what we do, that's a lot of times where it is. God has designed us to be in relationship with him and, not just him, and others. And I believe that that we have to be more disciplined. And, and in the next, through this fall, you're going to see we are as a church going to be doing our best to help lead our church into a place coming before this new year to be more disciplined. And, and we are going to be looking at spiritual disciplines and things as a church to be able to bring us what I believe is so imperative for us to a place of being able to have more control about what we're doing and where our minds are going, and where our bodies are going. Now, um, I don't know if you've done any reading or research on this, but it is, it's fascinating what casinos have done, and, and they've been doing this for years and years and years now, decades, is that they discovered how, I mean, and, and I don't need to talk to you about dopamine and drugs and things, that your brain will release um, dopamine, this pleasure center when, when something is happening. And so what casinos would do is that they would, they figured out with lights and with different things that they could actually trick your brain into thinking you were winning when you were actually losing. And so what, what does a business want to do? Well, business wants more of your money. They're, they're trying to figure out how to get you, how to keep you there. They don't care about the end result, about what that means for you, but they want to make money. And so what they're doing is they're tricking people. Well, when it comes to our phones, when it comes to technology, they took that technology and they applied it to what we're seeing in our eyes. How to keep, how, how to have releases of dopamine to keep us on our phones. And we, we have an addiction problem, friends. We do. We know it, right? We, we know it. And, and what are we going to do? And, and there's some things that I believe, even small incremental things that we can do to be able to start being more disciplined. Now, Winston Churchill is considered one of the best wartime leaders uh, that ever lived. And and when asked about his just amazing feats and, and what he accomplished with in World War II and all those things with Britain, um, he said, I have never accepted what many people have kindly said, namely that I inspired the nation. And he says, it was the nation and the race dwelling around the globe that had the lion heart. And this is what it, he said, I had the luck to be called upon to give the roar. Now, there's a, he, he had his issues, but that is really a humbling statement. He realized that everybody was, was thinking and, and feeling the same thing. He was the one that said it and led the way. And 
you know, I, I look at this, and, and it, I, I in no means am comparing myself to Winston Churchill, but in the same way, I'm, I'm wondering, are your hearts saying the same thing? Are, are your hearts saying the same thing? Yeah, I need to be more disciplined. Uh, yeah, I've got, some, I've got some things that are cluttering right now. I have some things that are distracting my mind and, and my heart, and I, yes. I, I'm feeling that. I'm, I'm kind of hoping I can give a little bit of a roar here and, and say, hey, people, we need to wake up. We're, we're in a malaise. We, we need to wake up to the things uh, that, that are outside of us, just right in front of us. St. Augustine said, when referring to a bad habit, he said, habit, if not res- resisted, soon becomes a necessity. A habit, if not resisted, soon becomes a necessity. And that doesn't even have to be a sin. We're not even talking about, like, a bad sin here. We're just talking about a habit, if not resisted, becomes a necessity. And I, I think we've made things a necessity that do not belong as essentials in our lives. And they have become habits. So as I mentioned before, uh, we talked about resistance last week, and there are times that I believe we are resisting the godly things, and we are welcoming things that may not be bad, but if it is enough to get our focus totally off of Christ, it is bad. If we are trading the inability to take a few uninterrupted minutes with the Lord— for something at the end of the day that doesn't matter a whole lot, I want you to join me in reevaluating your time. And what I mean by that, I mean just simply, when you wake up in the morning, do you have five minutes? Five minutes. Do you have 10 minutes? Do you even have one minute to sit down? and breathe, to sit down and pray, to sit down and and not pick up anything. And as I hear the baby cry, I think, well, some of you are like, yeah, I don't have a minute. (laughs) We get that. We totally get that right now. Some of you are in that place. Lord bless you. There is an app called Marco Polo, as I'm talking about technology taking our time. <clears throat> and all my cousins are on this app, and it's, it's a video messaging app. So instead of texting, a big group text, you, it just records your face or whatever you're pointing at, and you just give a message, hey, good to see you, blah, 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 right? And uh, so it's been good to connect with my cousins who are now all over the world. They're not in North Dakota anymore. They're all over the place. And um, I had a, um, my cousin, Donetta, she messaged me, and she said, So my husband and I, um, we're trying to work out what to do with technology and our kids. How do you raise your kids in a world of technology? And with your kids being older, um, I was wondering if you have anything to um, share with me or with us. And I went, oh, man. And then I pushed the button. I said, hey, Donetta, Dale here. I want to let you know that I failed in this area miserably. Um, I want you to know that we're doing our best. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to work with kids. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And, and this was my advice to her. I said, do not tell your kids to get off of their phones and stop playing their games if you yourself are on your phone or on your games. 
We need to actually be teaching. We actually need to be leading in this way. So I encourage to do things together, to figure out what works for the rhythms in the life of your family and, and to do it together. And so a lot of this stuff is new. A lot of this stuff is us trying to figure out. But what I'm presenting to you today is a world that we need to, to, to go, let it not control us. And this worked when TV came out and, and TV from morning until night. Well, man, many of you don't know, there just wasn't enough programming. And so the TV would just shut off, right? There's a certain time of night. Some of you guys remember, it just went to the white fuzz. Some of you younger people have no idea what that white fuzz looks like. Too bad for you. It was awesome. <laughs> you sat there and looked at it. So every, every era has had to deal with their things. But now I, I'm calling us to wake up and say, hey, we can't let this control us. So parents, this is hard, and, and we have to figure this out together and how to raise our kids in this type of an environment. So I, I express my feelings and, and how I maybe had made some mistakes here, and Jane and I have tried to work through some of this, even for ourselves. And, um, and it's, it's okay that we maybe haven't hit it out of the park each time, and sometimes we feel guilty about it, but that shouldn't make us stop, right? We still need to reevaluate and try and make some changes. And, even, and so some of you who are really trying to evaluate this, if your kids are old enough, I want you to invite them into the conversation. Say, let's do this as a family. Let's try and make some changes as a family. What can we do? Can we put a basket and we say, at this time of night, this is where it's going, and we are just going to totally disconnect as a family? What, what can you do? How, how can you do it together? And I just want to encourage you to start thinking that way. So last week as I presented spiritual warfare, today I have given you some grave need for some changes uh, because of things that are around us in this world. And now I'd like to give us a psalm that has been used in, in many different ways. Now, in the Talmud, which is the ancient Jewish writing, especially after the Jews had been, uh, been taken over by uh, Babylon, and they, they were there. They had these ancient Jewish writings, and they had these uh, thoughts and laws that were in this, the, the Talmud. And this psalm that we're going to be talking about today, um, they called it in the Talmud the Psalm of Accidents. And, and sometimes it was referred to as the Psalm of, of Plagues. So that doesn't sound super positive, right? In the early church, this psalm was used to rally and encourage the hearts of, of Christians at that time, or a, a psalm of protection. It was used for, for ancient Christian and Jewish funerals. It was read sometimes up to seven times in one funeral. It has been used to read and to cite, to chase away demonic forces. It is a prayer and read for people embarking and going on a, on a journey. And, and many times, for, for Jews and, and early Christians alike, they, they would have it in some kind of an amulet, and it would be the writing of Psalm 91, and it would be folded up, and it would be put into a necklace around their bodies. And lastly, this psalm must be important enough because Satan quoted it when he was trying to tempt Jesus. So let's move to, um, so this is both in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. So both authors put this in by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, so we know this is important. Um, Pastor Kelly, if you could put it to, why don't you go to Luke 4, to chapter, or verse 9. So, uh, it says that, the scripture says that Jesus was pretty much like forced out into the wilderness. The, the Holy Spirit was just, I mean, threw him out 
into the wilderness to this time of temptation. He hadn't eaten, uh, and he, he was being led up um, in different places, and Satan came to tempt him. It says, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and he says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Now, for you and I, we would look at this and go, that is not a temptation. So just remember, it is not a temptation if you're not tempted. Okay? I know that sounds super obvious, but when you are 100% man, but also 100% God, you're going to have different temptations. And Satan used a temptation of power, used a temptation of look what all this stuff that, that you could do right now. Now, you and I really can't relate with this, but Satan was using a temptation that only Jesus, the Son of God, could have. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, and here's the quote, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put your Lord to the test. And here we see Jesus resisting Satan. Again, James 4, 7, if you resist Satan, he must flee, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus is showing us, you resist. He used the scripture, Satan fled. He had to go. Resistance. So he was, he was tempted. Here, Jesus is under spiritual warfare. He's under attack. And as I mentioned last week, Peter was warned by, by Jesus that, that Satan wanted to go after him as well. So all of this stuff it is happening. And can we acknowledge, friends, that if Jesus and Peter are tempted, we too are going to have to face things. Let's not be ignorant. Let's, let's not underestimate. Now, for this reason, we are in Psalm 91. And many of you um, seasoned Christians, you know Psalm 90 well, super well. Uh, and this will be a great reminder. I, I hope it's just an encouragement to you. It's super important. But for the, for the rest of us, let us learn. Let us listen to the Holy Spirit and what it has to say through Scripture. Amen? So we, we don't know exactly who wrote it. There's some traditions that, that say Moses wrote this, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's not a lot of agreement on that. Some give credit to David, and some give credit to those around him. But for whatever reason, this is an extremely powerful scripture for us today. So Psalm 91, verse 1. This is the NIV version, but I'm going to read a couple things from the King James Version. So verse 1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The King James Version says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Wow, that's powerful. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you 
Make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample on the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can we please say amen? It means let it be. He who dwells. Now I'm just gonna, I, I did a quick summary here of this and just, just listen for a minute. He who dwells. He who stays put, he who is under the protection of God Most High, he who is kept, he who is observes, he who upholds, he who heeds, he who consents or goes along with under the shadow of Almighty God. God is our refuge and strength. He is our place of protection. In him is deliverance and protection. In him and under him, we are covered. His faithfulness is our shield and protective wall. We do not need to fear the plagues and diseases that come because they will not reach you. Your eyes will see justice. Why? Because you have abided under the wings of the Most High God. In fact, it says, and I've already read it through the scripture, he has ordered your protection. In his order of protection for you, angels are now being dispensed for your safety. Now, you are empowered. It says this, you are empowered because of God's protection. Why? Because you abide in him. Your eyes will see justice. He will protect you. And then it says, he will hear your prayers and answer. Amen? Abiding, dwelling, staying put. And when it comes to theologians and academics in this area, there's, there's an element that cannot be avoided. And many of you have already gone there, and so I'm going to just touch on this for a minute. And they write about the power and the protective nature of God and, and, and how we are in him and, and under him. But they are also faced the reality that people die. We're also, we, we hear this, and, and I, I can't help but, but think of a, a dear, dear friend of mine, same age, kids were, were close in age of, of mine, and we worked together closely, and, and he died in this just, oh, just horrible, horrible accident. And, and it was so hard to say, Lord, why? And I, and I look at, at this verse, you know, when it, when it says he will live a long life, and I said, Lord, why? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. And, and um, in Luke, there's a scripture where um, the building, I believe it was um, the building of Siloam, where a, a building collapsed and a multitude of people had died in, in that building. 
And Jesus looked at, at that. He, he, he knew what was going on in the culture. He, he was there. He was present with them. And, and he said, a lot of you are saying that there was sin there, but he said, no, it was just an accident. Really, really, and, and, and I look at what Jesus said there, and it's sometimes just horrible things happen, and, and there just doesn't seem to be reason for it. One commentator wrote, he said, For we have placed ourselves under God's care, who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. You know, we don't know all things. And so in these situations, this is where we trust the Lord. We put ourselves into the care of God's hands. And we say, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to serve you regardless of what happens, because our situation should never um, be the reason of why we serve God or not. Our circumstances should never dictate that. And so the question is, what is the secret place? What is, what is this secret place? And here's a, just a couple small things I want you to just kind of think on. God's word has secrets that surpass merely reading and getting head knowledge. Sometimes we, we just want to get head knowledge and, 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 and be able to know things. But God is asking us to go beyond just the knowledge and understanding something. It's, Lord, what are you speaking to me through your scripture? And, and as we ask these questions, Lord, what are you saying here? The Lord begins to develop this relationship with you, that is yours alone. It really is. And you begin to have an intimate relationship with God, and that leads us into communion with God has its secrets. Close relationships have its secrets. The love of God has its secrets. I'm amazed by this, and I remember this happening to me, and so I chuckle when, when others go through it. Um, people who sometimes even serve the Lord for a long time, and sometimes new Christians, you'll, you'll see them talking about, God loves me. There, there's a man who is in his 50s, and he went back to Bible school, and I remember being taught under him. He just did, I mean, I, I worked with him um, in, in different capacities, and he just went off on on like the most simplest and, and basic idea of, of God's love for him. And he was, his mind was blown. And I was chuckling and I was like, yep, there is a secret place that happens between you and God when there is this understanding and realization of the love that he has for you. And, and, and we, all, we sound like children trying to explain it. Like, oh my goodness, the, the one who hovered over the waters of, of the deep, the one who, who sacrificed his son for, for us, he thought about me and he actually cares about me. And all of a sudden we go, oh man, Lord, I, you are too holy to be near right now. As we begin our descent today, I would be remiss if I didn't continue with the theme of, of Psalms 91 and the theme of wading in, into depths of Christ or 
abiding in him. And so when when I'm talking about wading into the deep, I'm talking about if you are abiding in Christ, if you are, are staying with him, you are going to get closer to him and the depths are unending, friends. In John 15, the famous, famous verse of the vine and the branches. And I just want you to follow along with me for a second. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Abide. Stay. Stay put in me as I also remain in you, as I stay in you. God, is this promise of, of abiding is, is not just singular. It's not just you and him. It's he remaining in you as well, friends. Can you, can you feel being tugged into the presence of the Lord saying, yes, Lord, I, I desire this. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, he says. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. Whose glory? My Father's glory so that you bear much fruit. Show yourselves to be my disciples. I hope you felt this theme of dwelling, of abiding, I don't, I can't say that I understand why some people are taken early. I do, however, concur with the fact that I have been placed under God's care. And whatever that entails, I submit to. The message for us today is to know that there is a place for you in the secret place under the shadow and protection of his wings. I'm going to say that again. There is a place for you. Can you say me? Me. There is a place for you in the secret place under the shadow and protection of his wings. Will you abide there? Will you go along with? Will you observe? Will you stay? Will you dwell? Will you be kept? My dad used to tell this story um, my dad was raised in Chicago, but I've got a lot of family in the South. And when I say hillbilly South, I am not exaggerating, friends. I've got some really close line to some hillbillies, I'm telling you. It's actually quite awesome. <clears throat> and so my dad was visiting. He's my great-grandpa. He lived in 93. I got to see him every summer. would go to Arkansas. And uh, <clears throat> one, one time my dad was telling me that now... This place is called Rosebud, okay? I promise you, you've never been there, okay? And I know my way around that place. And it was scary. I mean, the amount of 
venomous snakes in that area was insane. <clears throat> I mean, we were commanded we couldn't leave Grandpa's side because he, he would pick them up, poisonous snakes. He had a screen door, no outside door, just a screen door. They would come into his house at night and he would snap their necks. He just had this thing. So I grew up wanting to be like my grandpa. And so I was in North Dakota finding gardener snakes. And I remember one time, I'm like, I'm gonna be like grandpa. His last name was Weeks, Grandpa Weeks. And so I grabbed my snake and I, like my grandpa. Well, the tail was in my hand and the snake just flew away and I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I was freaked out, you know. But my dad ran ahead and, and my Grandpa Weeks and my grandpa, they were with my dad and they said, don't run ahead, don't go. And he's in the woods in the, in the Ozark Mountains and my dad steps on the back of a diamondback snake. And <clears throat> the whole world, you know, is just like stops for him. He was a young kid. You know, we've, we've been there. We've run ahead and done stupid things. And, you know, my dad is freaking out and he's over you know, at this point outside of the woods and Grandpa Weeks comes out with, he did his magic. He, he killed the snake. And, and, I, and, I, and I was thinking of this story and, and I'm thinking, how many of us are trying to run ahead and do our own things and we're, we're leaving the protection of the wings of God? We're, we're going on ahead and, and doing our own things and, and, and I, I, just, I just believe that God is calling out to us saying, abide in me. Why would you leave my protection? Why would you leave my side? My dad was very fortunate that day. But that picture surely gives me the picture of somebody leaving under the covering of God Almighty. I, I truly believe that we are in a time of needing to recalibrate, if that's okay to say. I'm saying, where, where are we at? In, in the next weeks to come, we as a church are going to be taking some steps to start reevaluating and to start looking at some disciplines in our life that I'm hoping that when we come into Christmas, it changes things for us because we're way ahead of the ball game. Because you know how we are. We get to Christmas, we're like, oh yeah, okay, I need to get my head in this. And then you come to the new year and like, oh my goodness, I need to get my, I need to start thinking this way. But no, I, I want us to start being prepared incrementally. And so by the time that we start coming into this season that we're going, oh man, I am so ready for this like never before. Amen? Why don't you stand? I, you know what was so special for me is, you know, it's really nice to have simplicity of a piano here today, right? I just thought, wow, you know what? Pastor Callie and I didn't talk about it at all as we were talking about just narrowing the focus down a little bit. I think there is something very special uh, about this this morning. So would you lead us in a song, please?
Lord, I thank you. Lord, for oh, just an amazing way to end this service today. For it is all about you. And, and Lord, I believe that we as individuals, but we corporately also, Lord, need to rest in the shadow of your wings. Help us, I pray, Lord Jesus. Help us to be disciplined with our time. Help us to be disciplined in the, in the way so we can hear, Lord, what you're saying to us and we can be readily and available to minister to others, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray and the church said, amen. I don't know about you, but I'm really encouraged this morning. Maybe the sermon was just for me and if that's the case, then I preach to myself. But I, I, really, I really pray that, that the Lord is, is connecting you with this right now. If, you, uh, if you're in need of prayer, if there's just some things going on in, in your life like we talked about, you know, we just never know what somebody's facing as they come in, please come forward. You don't even have to give us all the details. We have people that want to stand and, and pray with you this morning. And so whatever it is, come and uh, just be blessed in prayer. And if you're going to believe right now, may the Lord be with you and may his face shine upon you. God bless you. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.